The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. With 100 days to go until the Paralympic Games started, it wasn't looking good for Oksana Masters. She was in hospital undergoing a surgery. Her chances at going one better than her fourth placed finish in the cycling road race at the Paralympics looked remote. Never write this woman off. After undergoing mental, physical and sexual abuse at an orphanage in Ukraine, Oksana came to the United States and in her own words, she found her mom, she felt love, she discovered purpose and achieved greatness. She's speaking to me from the Fuji Speedway where she's just won two Paralympic gold medals. So Oksana, amazing performance, but I have to say, when I saw that Instagram post with you in hospital, I was like... This just isn't going to happen. Yeah, me and you both. <laughs> me and you absolutely both. It was the hardest thing on the, honestly, like on the day of my surgery, my surgery was at, tw- at noon. It was like 1210. And I was posting as if nothing ever happened. I was sharing my excitement for the 100 days out. But not what people didn't realize is I was in a hospital bed in pre-op with like about to go under happy juice under the most terrifying, just unexpected. I don't know what the outcome was. I, but I had confidence in the U.S. paracycling team and our the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic National Medical Network partners with the Texas Children's Hospital. And um, our team doctor who was there is here and he believed in me and said that this is, that there's still a chance. Just you have to follow everything to a T after you're recovered and cleared and just chased up to that crack. And I don't know, I got to tell my body to stop making catastrophic events to it right before like big events. <laughs> That's such an achievement, but I don't know. It's like when you rush somewhere and you finally make it there on time or whatever. There's suddenly like this big, huge relief, right? That you're just there in the first place. All sweaty, a hot mess and gross, but you're so relieved and like feel 10 times lighter that because you're there, it worked out. <laughs> Is that how you felt then? I imagine that's how yes. you felt. Oh like... my gosh, yes. <laughs> it, it, honestly, like words just, I don't think we'll ever be able to I will never be able to put into words that feeling that I feel inside and just, just just being on the start line. I was so worried I would not be able to be on the start line at all. And that was just that. I love that feeling. And then so what's what's nice, I guess, for you is you don't get one race, you get two, which is kind of like two little chances uh, of, of success. Uh, it went well, let's face it. You know, um, no, the stars just lined up on the right day. The stars were not lining up for a couple of days and months leading into it, but the stars in the end lined up. And I think it's mind over matter controlling what you can in situations that feel absolutely out of your control. And take me through. So let's look at each race individually. And, you know, I, I guess going into the first one, like the conditions wise it's a bit weird you can't really predict what's going to happen it could be like it, either way it's bad right it's going to be super humid or, or rainy there's no good bit that that so like how how are you feeling kind of like when you are on the start line and and like you know take me through that first race oh my gosh that first race the time trial i was absolutely nervous because i knew all the girls the fast girls were in the back i had not really had a chance to race them at world championships and um I had China in front of me to chase down. 
And then five minutes and leading into it, it was supposed to be a hundred percent chance of rain, a hundred percent chance of thunderstorms. And I'm like, awesome, great. It's got some sketchy descents. I hate that. Why not mix in rain to make it extra sketchy? <laughs> and it didn't, and it held off at the end. It like sprinkled a little bit, but it held off. And I was like, thank you, Lord. And then, um, and then 10, like five minutes into my start, I have a radio in the time trial. It usually gives you your splits and tells you where you are. That went off five minutes into the race. I'm like, I feel like I should be hearing from my, one of my coaches. And I look back and he's, his car is there, but I can't hear anything. So I'm like, crap, I'm completely on my own. I have to ride this course and ride the smart lines. And he's going to be watching all my mistakes if I make any. And I think that was just the best thing that could have ever happened to me because I don't trust myself as a cyclist. I'm so unexperienced and I don't, I'm still learning my lines. I'm still learning to be aggressive and to be smart and to pace. And um, I was just so happy. It kind of forced me when that radio went out, it forced me to just trust my instincts, my race instincts. I'm, I can't believe that. Like it takes a lot to make me speechless. You had no radio, Is that's insane. No, radio and that's what I was panicking I like literally I told um Mike Derner one of the coaches for the Espera cycling team was following me and I told him I was like all I heard was that I was 20 seconds down and so like I was just like oh my god I gotta make this count oh my god and I knew that long climb I could try and make 20 seconds hopefully there with two laps to go and and he said he never said anything he never said that so like I literally made that up in my mind apparently <laughs> that I was down by 20 seconds but that's the way I love to race I just, that gives me very, very, a lot of anxiety. That is, uh, what you did so well. Who needs, who needs a radio anyway? <laughs> I do. No, you do. You still need a radio. I'll take one any day. <laughs> and so that went very well. And then the next day, I guess you've got nothing to lose, right? And that's a nice feeling. And, and is that how kind of your mindset going into it? Was were you, you know, what can go wrong now? <laughs> like <laughs> Yes and no, except of course, like, I mean, I love to live in the moment. And so yesterday was yesterday's race. And then today or yes, like the road race day was a road race day. And I wanted to kind of prove to myself it wasn't a fluke either that like I can make it happen again. And I didn't just get lucky, even though I totally I swear, I swear I got lucky. I don't know what happened still. These two medals. And in Rio, oh, my gosh, I remember that race in Rio in 2014 or 16 where I got fourth place. And I just, oh my God, I remember the mistake. I remember my coach at that time, he was just there saying patient and what I was doing was wrong. And I was just, that 500 meters from Rio 2016 finish line was what fueled me when I was out training by myself in the country roads in Champaign, Illinois. And here I just replayed it and just tried to make the wrongs right that I did in Rio. And that's ultimately what it's about is just, learning and applying what you learned into the next race. And I just can't believe that happens at the Paralympic Games. You can let go of that now, right? Like, or does it still kill you? It, it still, still like kills me. It still kills me because I knew I could have controlled it. I knew I had it in me. It's dry. If you could feel the thing in my stomach right now. you have any downtime whatsoever you know like to be able to enjoy this do you have some like family time um well i think the number one time right from tokyo is going to be on the plane where you cannot turn off your phone you don't get anything and it's just you and the seat and your thoughts and just process everything and those 12 hours i think is i'm going to really soak in them but 
I just can't wait to get home and hug my mom. My boyfriend Aaron Pike is here at the Paralympic Games as well, and he's doing the wheelchair racing and the marathon. I have more anxiety for him, and just I want him to have the best result and just have his best race. And and I just can't wait to go home and hug him. And even though we're like across the world from each, like with each other, we're still 60 miles away from each other in Tokyo. And, and hug my mom and just, yeah, spend that time with her like three days before I transitioned to cross-country skiing. Well, that's, that's, that's right. I mean, it's, it's so um, crazy that you could be so near someone and so far away. So I, you have my, like, that, that's so frustrating and there's nothing more anxiety-inducing than watching someone you love, uh, you know, like, do something like that. So, right. yeah. I think I'm going to wear a heart rate monitor during his marathon race and just to see, because I swear my heart rate gets higher than I race. I have more anxiety and everything. It'll be like another workout. <laughs> Please post that on social media. If it's if it's funny, I want to see that. That's the gotta yes, please post that. Um so yeah, but talking about Beijing, it's like six months. You you know, um what events do you think you're gonna be doing in Beijing and you know, like what's the kind of the, the near-term plan in terms of switching up the training? Um well switching over for training, I get home on the fifth and we'll have about two days to work on my Siski. Currently it's broken, so I have to fix it before the season starts. Um, there's a reason why my name's Tasmanian Devil. Like I just break everything I touch. I'm not smooth on anything. and just happy the bikes stay together for these races. But um, little, and then like September like 20th, 23rd, we're going to be heading over to Germany for an underground snow tunnel for our first training camp. And first World Cup for cross-country skiing is in December in Canada. And I'm planning on doing um, three cross country and three biathlon races. I'm so thankful for the medals that I have in Pyeongchang, but they're not the way I wanted to get them. And I knew I wasn't racing at my 100%. Um, I don't wish any of my competitors or myself to ever race on a broken body part. And that's unfortunately what happened in Pyeongchang. And um, I still have some sweet redemption I want to get on the cross country long. I, I, I love biathlon, it's so badass. It's like, prop. It's proper like James Bond, man. I love it. I love it. biathlon, but it's like the truest like love-hate relationship because when it's good, it's good. But when it's bad, you're like, oh my gosh, why am I doing this to myself? But there's no feeling like it mixing the mental and the physical aspect. And when that race comes together, it's just amazing. I mean, do you see yourself more as a winter or a summer Paralympian? Like, do you, do you even bother thinking about that? Is it just like... You just make the switch over to whatever season comes around. I just, I just see myself as an athlete. I love that feeling of, of the start line and the finish line and, and being a better version of what athlete you were the last race. And there's always that room for improvement. It's, I don't really, I gotta say, I do like the tan lines better in the summer games, not from cycling, but better. <laughs> Cause you, you don't look like a ghost when you're done with the Nordic season like you do, but um, I just, I love that switch. It keeps you very humble because you can be coming off one season of cross-country skiing and you're fit and you go back into cycling in the summer games and you have to relearn everything. And you're, it's a very humbling experience. You're like, oh my God, what the heck? I was just peaking. Now I'm like back down to zero again. Looking even further ahead, I guess right on the edge of kind of anyone's mind is LA for anyone American, right? You've got to try and make it there. That is, keep that body safe and healthy until you can get there. 
<laughs> I'm going to go have a talk to myself in the mirror and be like, listen, we got to keep this together until 2028. Is that where you would like to, to, to get to and kind of like, you know, that would be great to win two medals there, right? It would be a bit busier, I think, on the streets, I think, yes. to see you do that. Oh, totally. I'm, I'm a home games. is just absolutely, it's just, I can't even imagine anything better than competing at your home games and truly helping grow and bring awareness to Paralympic movement at the in the US and there's so much equality happening with the US Olympic and Paralympic Committee right now with the equal pay and the name change that this is going to be and when I say the name change the name change with the US Olympic Committee to the US Olympic and Paralympic Committee because people need to see that word to understand what it is and get comfortable and learn it and then and then just get so excited about it and it's going to be huge huge I think boom in the u.s with la 2028 and i i hope i'm there regardless of what color um i just want to see a full field of women hand cyclists on the start line in la it's very underrepresented right now in the u.s and this just these medals just mean so much because that's what it is hope is going to bring that awareness of the sport to the u.s step one complete sane you did it so you know like i am amazed i know a lot of people i i didn't even want to do it to myself because i am an emotional wreck i find it hard anyway and i thought and i remember watching the amazing players tribune piece that you did you know and it was so good that I've like literally like crowded people round and watched it. Like my wife, it, so I've seen it a lot of times. It's so good. And I was like, I'm going to watch it again today, even though knowing that, you know, it was going to hit me in the feels. I can even feel myself now. I was so nervous sharing parts of my story that just, they're not the pretty parts and everyone thinks an athlete, it's just their success story and everything's just such always smooth sailing. And I think, I want, I, I grew up such an angry child and not hating who I saw when I looked in the mirror and just hating things that I didn't realize they were out of beyond my control and that I thought I deserved a lot of the stuff. And, and I just wanted to show an example that it doesn't matter where you come from, what experience and background, you can get, gain strength from every positive and negative experience in your life. And it's how you use those experiences, not living in them, using the strengths from within them to get you to where your goals are, regardless if it's in sports or getting that promotion at work or whatever it is. Um, and I, I, honestly, I was so terrified. I got cold feet. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like people are gonna, this is all they're gonna see me when they look in the mirror. I don't want any pity whatsoever. And I was really worried because there are parts of my story that it's a very fine line of pity and it's not about pity. It's it's the strength that's not being defined by what happened. It's, I had like this little a little thing, a little heading about healing and how difficult it is. And I think one of the processes you've kind of got to go and look at yourself in the mirror, like you say, and kind of and say you're worthy and say all these things to yourself because no one's going to do that for you, basically. Like that, that has to happen. You have to heal yourself. And maybe I'm wrong and I'm getting on my soapbox, but I think a lot of people are in that mode right now. They're, it's like things have gone bad and they have to look at themselves in the mirror and, and look and say, first of all, I need to forgive myself for everything, you know, for everything that I've done to myself. And then I can get to all the other stuff. I mean, how have you found the healing process and where are you at at the moment with the healing process and kind of what kind of tips and tactics would you give to somebody that's in the process? Um, I think the biggest thing is just, 
you know, whether you're healing or whatever word you want to use in the process that you're in is just, it's, it's, there's no finish line to it. You're going, there are going to be truly bad days and there are going to be good days, but that's okay because it's living in the moment of life and just putting everything in perspective and celebrate yourself, celebrate your life because everything that you went through, use it as your secret weapon, that extra tool bag that you have nobody else will have to apply somewhere in life. And then whether it's like physical or hidden, I mean, these are things that make you irreplaceable and to never let anyone tell you otherwise and just hold on to those things that you hate about yourself because they're your secret weapons. The Laureus Awards, I have been there. It's so fancy. Literally, you turn around and there's someone famous there. It's ridiculous. There's like hidden doors with famous people in that they like pop out and you're like, what's that? And Tony Hawk is hilariously wearing a suit. It's crazy because I grew up playing Tony Hawk, <laughs> like the, the skateboard, like on my Nintendo. And I was just like, oh my God, like, oh my God. And then he let my mom come on stage. I can't believe it. Like he's just a legend and so human and humble and just a person. And that's what I think realizes we're all people and just humans at the end of the day. And um, you idolize this person and then you just meet them and you're like, they have a family, they have, they have dreams, they have goals, they have good days, bad days. I just, um, it's just absolutely, that was the most wildest, wildest experience of my life. What is the proudest moment that you've had? Because uh, you've won so many things and you know, um, the Paralympics is no joke, man. It's like even getting there on the day, you've got to get like a bus or you've got to do the certain, like it's no joke, you've got to really plan it out. My, I missed lunch, so I had peanut butter jelly sandwich and tart cherry juice was my lunch. It was a very glorified <laughs> recovery lunch. But I think my proudest moment, honestly, it's not um, it's not on the field of play and in sports or a medal. It was I got um, a couple years ago a message from a mother on Facebook, and I very rarely check these messages, and I just did that one day, and she was saying how there was a picture and a video that she showed her daughter of me. And her daughter had one prosthetic leg and she wore pants all the time. And she was I think in grade school, like fourth or fifth grade. And and she said she um, wore a dress. One day she decided to wear a dress to show her leg to school one day. And that's what that ultimate moment, that true success moment for me was, because it's not about me. I want the next little girl or boy to see, to have that confidence because confidence is like beautiful. It's not appearance or skin or color or anything. And to ha to ha for that little girl to be in, f I forgot, fourth or fifth grade, walk into school showing off her leg, proud of who she is. I mean, that was just the biggest win in my life. And I hope more and more kids and people start to celebrate their unique gifts that they're given. I'm fired up. I think I'm going to go do that road race. Challenge time. So I have like a list of questions that I ask people. They're numbered one to 35. Pick a random number and I'll give you a random question between one and 35. Um, 13. Oh, these are good. Oh, I like no. these. This is a good one. What quality do you most like in women, in females? Oh my gosh. Um, I think women who are 
not afraid to support women. Just seeing women supporting women. It's something that I don't know if it's society or what happened along the way. We brought, we see each other's competition. And I just love it when, oh, like, we can all support each other and be like, girl, that was killer. You nailed it. Or you look amazing. Or just compliment each other and just be truly supporting each other and uplifting each other because there's nothing more powerful than a group and world full of determined, supported, united group of women. I can't believe we managed to do this. See you later. Thank you. Bye. Olympic Channel Podcast. Wow, Oksana Masters. Make sure you follow her on Instagram. She's just Oksana Masters. I'm Eddie Knowles with an I and an E, and we are just Olympics across all social media. I've also put a link in for that amazing Players Tribune piece that I referenced during the podcast. Highly recommend. Really, really good. Okay, that's it for now, though. Stay safe, stronger together, and I'll see you very soon. Think like an Olympian. Olympian.